Welcome to Roots, Rhythm and Soul. Oye Nando, dime qué ha pasado. Oye que el criminal se ha fugado. Ay Dios mío. All right, my beautiful people, welcome to Roots, Rhythm, and Soul, a podcast where we unearth the stories of Afro-Latin dance and music. I am your host, Mario B., and you are just listening to La Calle Estadura by the Bad Street Boys. Today's guest is a former member and lead vocalist of the Bad Street Boys. He's the legendary Frankie Morales. Frankie performed with pioneers of the Latin music industry like Tito Puente and Hector Lavoe. He is an amazing singer and showman, and it is my honor to have him on the podcast today. Just a heads up to our listeners, normally we like to give some context during the episodes. However, Frankie is going to mention a lot of different musical artists that would take too much time to provide context for them all. We recommend that you take the time to look them up and discover their amazing talent and music. Please help me welcome our musical guest for today's episode, Mr. Frankie Morales. What's up, my brother? Hey, what's going on, Mario? It's been a long doing, time, man? bro. Nice hat. Thank you. <laughs> I got to get it to you, bro. <laughs> oh, yeah. Thank you so much. I know you're busy. Um, and thank you so much for, uh, you know, joining the show. Uh, we're very, really grateful to have you. Thank Anytime. You. Anything for you, man. You know that. Thank know. you, brother. Listen, we have some questions for you. Um, be open. Be honest. Uh, just be Frankie. And, and uh, we want to start off, obviously, with basic stuff. Uh, where were you born? Um, what's your cultural background? Um, and how was your life growing up within that cultural background, ethnicity, all that good stuff? Well, I grew up, uh, I grew up in the Lower East Side, uh, which was on Fifth Street and Avenue B and Avenue C. Um, and during those years, you know, I was a little kid and I used to sing when I was small. And I, I used to, my mother used to live in this regular apartment building and they had a fire escape, you know, in the back. So, and it's, it's a true story, man. <laughs> you know, I, I fell in love with a girl and, and I was like probably like five, five years old, six years old. And she lived right across from me in the other side, the other side of the project. I mean, on the other side of the, uh, of the, uh, how do you call it again? Hey, what you say? Um, Complex. Back of the Handle. back of the apartment. So, so what happened was that I, I was singing, you know, and and the song that I was singing, "I Do Love You." So my mother would tell my sister, you know, go, you know, pay pay attention, and I want you to watch Frankie while I uh while I start cooking. So you know, I'm singing and singing. So my sister decides to leave. So my mother tells my sister. You know, I, I don't hear Frankie singing no more. Where is he? So when my daughter, my sister goes to the fire escape, she sees me. I fell. I fell from the fire escape from the fifth floor. Oh, my God. So lucky, so lucky that I landed on a mattress downstairs. You know, I, I was able to survive, man. I was able to survive. But, you know, that was in the low east side. And, you know, a lot of people don't know that uh, my brothers, during the young days, they used to have a, a doo-wop band, singing group. 
what what year what year was that? I would say early seventies. Well, you're talking about if I was born in nineteen sixty-two. Uh this must have been in nineteen sixty-seven. You know, I was like five years old. And part of that duo band, the group was uh Imael Miranda was part of that group. You know, so I have family in my blood um that I was able to in, inherit something and, and, and I grew up with it, you know. So growing up in the Low East Side, Imael Miranda, his mother and my mother were like best of friends. Him and my brothers were best of friends. And then from there, we moved to El Barrio. From the Low East Side, we moved to El Barrio, which was on 110th Street and um, Madison Avenue, where they said Tito Puente was raised. In that area. So in that area, in El Barrio, you have Puente, Rey Barreto, Machito, and, and, and all these guys that grew up in that area. Um, so, you know, that's my background, where I came from, how I started in the sense of with the music and the artists that were part of my family. Um and and that's why you know they always say Frankie Morales and Nene. They used to say I was I was I always say that I was from El Barrio. Got it. Now you're you're from uh, Puerto Rican descent. I'm assuming your family's Puerto Rican. My family is Puerto Rican. Yes, they were born and raised in Puerto Rico, but I was born and raised in New York. They call us New York Rican. New York Rican. <laughs> now now let me ask you that. I think you uh, answered most of the question. Um, so who inspired you to sing? And, and, and also, you know, did you ever take singing lessons or you, it was just this natural born talent? My, my, it was a voice natural because um, I was a fanatic of Michael Jackson. Wow. Um, and that's all I used to sing was Michael Jackson plus what, what I heard in my mother's house, songs of, you know, the Machito, eh, Santito Colón, Hector Lavoe and all those guys. But, you know, I, I, I started singing English originally. And then until it, it got into my blood, then it was able to, I said, you know what? I, 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 this is what is something that I want to do. So that's why the pitch that I have when I sing, you know, I got it during my early years, um, singing to so, uh, songs of Michael Jackson that were pretty high. So basically, you uh, you got your start just singing in the streets in El Barrio. In El Barrio, uh, and, and you know it's so funny because they, they, you say that um, during those times in the we're talking about probably in the seventies. I was like probably like good thirteen years old, uh, twelve years old, something like that. And there was a band in El Barrio called Alqueta Caoba. So there was two bands, Alqueta Caoba and El Conjunto Cache. Um, during those times, you know, I, I used to hear those bands perform and I was like, wow, you know, that's great, man. You know, this is, this is something that I think I can start and, and start doing. So I started singing coro for La Oqueta Caoba. And they were a popular band from El Barrio uh, during the, uh, the 70s. There was only two bands in El Barrio during that time. They were very young, but they were tight band. Conjunto Caché and Oqueta Caoba. Um, one of the leaders of La Conjunto Caoba, La Oqueta Caoba, you probably know, Pito Castillo, Charan Salsa. 
Yes. Yes. He, that was his band. Now I'm oh. talking about, we're talking about in the 70s, man. You this know, a history where, lesson right here. History lesson, bro. Yeah, because you remember, you know, when you used to go, when you used to, during those years, they had the pump outside that you would go and jump in the pump. They would close the street. Nobody yeah. would come and buy. That was during those times. So what happened was that, you know, boom, and then go to the But then one day I was walking through 110th Street between uh, Lexington and Park Avenue, and I hear a band playing upstairs in a community center. So, you know, you were allowed to go upstairs. You know, any, at that time, nobody stopped nobody from going anywhere. This is on 105th? No, this was on 110th Street between Lexington and Park Avenue. There was a okay. community a community center there for union for, for senior citizens. Got they never go there and play Loteria. Voice Harbor, right? Well, well, Voice Harbor was on 104th Street between 104th. Madison and 5th. Yes. But this place was a community center on 110th Street between Lexington and Park Avenue. So yeah. I hear a group performing, like rehearsing. And when I go upstairs, it's Joe Patan. Oh, my God. <laughs> so Joe Patan, you know, with his band. And, and I just sat there, you know. So it's a coincidence that one of his singers didn't show up. So the, they were missing that voice at that time. Wow. So, yo me metí de presentado. I got in like I was a nosy body. So, when I got in, I was just listening to the, what they were doing and I, I did the voice that they were missing. God. So, at that time, <clears throat> the conga player was Jose Pintor. His name was Jose Pintor, Jose Nando Pintor, which was the conga player for Joe Patan. That's where, so I did a couple of gigs with Joe Patan. So, uh, Jose Pintor came up to me. He said, yo, you got a good voice, man. I'm going to record you. And I said, yeah, okay, no problem. You're going to record me. That's what they all say. So two years after that, he called me. And that's, what, that's when Jose Pintor, and this gets very interesting. We made the name of the band called Sabol del Barrio. That was my first album that I record with Rich on Bones. With Jose Pintor, Jose Pintor Hernando was the brother-in-law of Jose Manguan Jr. Oh, man. I know where you're going with this one. <laughs> <laughs> so what happened was, so I recorded with Nando, Jose Pintor Hernando, and during while I was with Joe Patan, and, and, and I met uh, Jose Hernando Pintor, we recorded, he introduced me to his brother-in-law, Jose Manguan Jr. So Jose Manguan came out with his band. At that time, his first live band uh, called a Campanero Campanamping. Remember that? Yes, so, sir. Nando, Jose Pintor, told uh, Jose Manguay, yo, I got somebody that could do coro for you. And he, he introduced me to Manguay. So, while we were doing that with my, while I was doing that with Manguay, I recorded with Jose Pintor. And then with Mangual, after Mangual, I was with Mangual for at least uh, a couple of months. And then uh, the gig came of Hector Lavo. Now, Perate, before we move on to Hector, um, are you on the vocals on the track, Campanero? No, 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 no. Oh. I, was just, I was just a background vocal corista with Jose Mangual. Got it. Um, but then, you know, when I did that with Mangual, 
I was still, you know, with Jose Pintor, we were doing, we weren't doing as much as I was doing with Manguard, but you know, I was going back and forth. But then it came to the point where Hector Lavoe needed a corista. And so this since I lived in the 70s, right? Yeah, this was in the, this was, we're talking about 1976. Got it. I was only fifth, I was only 16 years old when I started with Hector Lavoe. So Hector so, had already established his, his record deal with Fania. Of course, Hector was Hector. Yeah. That's when he came out with that song, with the, what the album was. You know, that was yeah, Hector. Yeah. So the way how I got that gig was so, so funny because Hector Lavoe had a bodyguard. His name was Walter. Walter lived in El Barrio. So the bodyguard that Hector Lavoe had, this guy was responsible for picking up Hector in his house, taking him to the gig, staying with him, and taking him back home. So this guy, Walter, knew my mother in El Barrio. It's always a connection, bro. Yeah, and that's why I say, you know, it's not what you know, it's who you know. Yes, so sir. my mother starts talking to Walter. She said, oh, mira, que el hijo mío, my son... He knows how to sing. He's got a high pitch. And, and Walter said, yeah, okay, you know, all right, no. So then one day, Walter said, I want to hear you sing. I want you to do something for me. I said, okay. So I did the voice for me. He said, okay, Chevy, go home. So I'm sleeping in my house. At 7 o'clock in the morning, my phone rings. So my mother, she never likes anybody calling that early because Why? She will say, esas son horas críticas. Those are critical hours to call. Because what happens is when you call at that time, that means something happened. You yes. know, 7 o'clock in the morning. So then it's Walter on the other line. So Walter tells my mother, eh, put Frankie Morales on the phone. Put Frankie on the phone because I want to talk to him. So my mother said, okay. So my mother said, mira, Frankie, aquí tiene Walter. Estas son horas críticas. And I said, okay, mom, all right, all right. So I get on the phone. So Walter said, what are you doing? I said, oh, I was sleeping. He says, get dressed. I said, what do you mean get dressed? It's, it's 7 o'clock in the morning. He says, get dressed. I want to introduce you to somebody. He said, all right, I'm going downstairs. So when I go downstairs, there was a famous bakery on 110th Street and 109th Street that everybody went there in the morning to eat pan con mantequilla planchado. That was a famous place. That you want good coffee, you will go to that place. You want some you the name? bread, huh? You it the was name? called the 110th Street Bakery. <laughs> it was that's what it was called, the 110th Street El Barrio Bakery. That's what it was called. Barrio. So and then what happened was, <clears throat> so I get there, and I go, okay, what happened? What happened? He goes to me like this, look who's there, and I'm like, who? So at that time, Hector Lobo had on a cap, dark glasses. So that nobody can recognize who he was. Because if they want to know who he was in that bakery, forget it. They would have to call the cops. Yes. You know, they would start grabbing him and all that kind of stuff. So, so Walter goes like this. Shh. Don't say nothing. I said, okay. So when we go outside, <clears throat> we go like a couple of blocks down right there. So, so Hector goes like this with his hat. You know who I am, right? I said, well, of course I know who you are. You are Hector Lavoe, cantante. He says, I'm told that you 
you you've got a pretty high pitch. Oye, te hablo en inglés o en español? No, he was talking to me in Spanish because Hector didn't speak English at all. Right. His, you his know, the, thing he, the only thing he the only thing he spoke in English was when he was going to curse at you in English. <laughs> so, so I say, you know, he'll go, he'll go like something like this. Tú sabes quién yo soy, ¿verdad? I say, sí, yo sé. Tú eres el cantante de los cantantes, Hector la voz. He said, oh, okay. Me dicen que tú cantas y tú tienes una voz alta. You got a high voice. I say, yeah, I do. He said, okay. Let me see. He says, do this coro for me. I'll make the coro. And I say, which one? He said, aléjate de mí, no te guíes. So I said, I already knew it. So I go, aléjate de mí, no te guíes más. He goes, wow, you sing high. Tú eres alto, canta alto. I say, yeah, yeah. He said, okay. We're rehearsing Thursday and Friday. Estamos ensayando el jueves y el viernes. I said, okay. He says, And we're playing Saturday. Your first gig on Saturday is going to be at Madison Square Garden. Backing me up and Cheo Feliciano. And that's how, that's how it started for me. You know, with Hector at the age of 16, my first gig, Madison Square Garden, backing up Hector and Cheo Feliciano. So, you know, Cheo Feliciano uh, at that time, He came out with a, he was hot. He came out with this uh, uh, a great album, a blue album that he um uh, uh, um. Uh, <clears throat> it's no, it's a, it was a blue album, and and he he during that time he he was like it was one of the not one of the best album, but it what the album that he recorded at that time was was sounding. They were playing it a lot in in la in la and what you call that. In the radio stations, La Fania and all that kind of stuff. La Mega. La Mega. But at that time, I don't think it was called La Mega. It was called something else. You know? Uh, During that time, oh, they Radio had Waddle. Radio Waddle. Right? There you go. Yep. During that time. So, so now I had to do my homework. I had to do my homework with Hector Lavo and Chil Feliciano. You understand? So it, it, it was good. So, you know, during those years that I was with Hector, for two years, I was with him from 1976 to 1978. Two years. And in those two years with Hector, <clears throat> I backed up Cheo Feliciano, uh, Celia Cruz, Pellín Rodriguez. Oh. I backed up Imael Rivera in Colombia with Hector Lavo and Vicentico Valdez. You know, <clears throat> And these are things, you know, oh, and I backed up in Miami Miranda during that time also. Uh, but, you know, I, I just tell people about me, you know, like, just go to my bio, you know, look at my press sheet, you know, and, and you'll see um, in this music industry, they say you have to pay your dues to get to these places and to be able to play with, you know, all these great artists. You know, I can knock on wood that I, I was able to not pay my dues. You know, I, I, I got to where I needed to get to with who I knew. It's not what you know. It's who you know, like you said before. Right. You know? That's right. But it, it was good, man. Well, thank you for sharing that story, man. And, and as much as we Wikipedia your name and all this stuff, that's a lot of the information that's missing. And that's why we do these podcasts to get that raw, authentic um experience from the person themselves and and these are these are stories these are great stories we need to hear these stories yeah and, and you know it's so funny that you say that because 
when I left Hector, then uh, during the uh, 1976-78, uh, I went back in the studio, and that's when <clears throat> the Bastry Boys. Right. That's where I want to go next. So I was going to say, when did the, because a lot of people don't even know that, let me, first and foremost, I'm telling everybody, if you have <laughs> never heard the Bad Street Boys, please go find it. YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, please look it up. It's one of my favorite albums with Frankie Morales. Amazing. Especially those trombones. Oh, my yeah. God. But <clears throat> tell us about the Bad Street Boys. Yeah, well, you know, <clears throat> Bad Street Boys, so that they don't, so that the people out there that are listening uh, don't get confused with the Bad Street Boys and the Back Street Boys. Because when you put the Bad Street Boys, you're going to see something that's going to look like the Back, the Back Street Boys. And it's not. It's the Bad Street Boys. So, um, B-A-D, B-A-D, Bad. Yeah, so, bad. so remember, I told you that I recorded with Jose Pintor. Right. And a lot of people don't know this. Jose Pintor was the creator of the Backstreet Boys. Mm. You know, it was him. <clears throat> it was three people there. It was uh, Pintor, David Maldonado, and Eddie Iglesias, mm. which was Eddie Iglesias was a guy who used to sing with Bobby Rodriguez y la compañía, the trombone player. Oh, yeah. You know, so, wow. so during that time while I was with Hector, <clears throat> you know, they were talking and forming the Bastry Boys, and that's when Jose Pinto said, well, look, I got the single, which was me, because I recorded the album with him, Sabo del Barrio, The Taste of the Neighborhood. Um, if people go to my page, they'll see uh, uh, an album cover of me with a, with, a, with a brown suit, bow tie, and I got on Converse sneakers. <laughs> I was really, really skinny. So it's me, Jose Pintor, walking across 116th Street, 116th Street uh, between Park Avenue and Lexington. <clears throat> we're, we're walking right in the middle of the street, and it's me, Milton Caldona, and Jose Mangual, wife at the time. Her name was Sandy Mangual. So during when I left Hector Lavoie, and I was still with Hector a little bit, the Bastry Boys was being formed, you know, and... The Bastry Boys was formed in 1980. Um, so it gave me a little bit of time. You know, I, I, the heckle I will fired me <laughs> because I was doing stuff with other people. And then I started doing coro with, with Henry Fior. Henry Fior at that time was very hot. Oh After heckle yeah, I will let me Fior, go. Man. And yeah. I, went with Hec I went with Henry Fior to Colombia. We went to Venezuela. Uh, Actually, he was Henry all over lives the in Jersey, doesn't he? Henry Fiore, no, Henry Fiore lives in the Lower East Side. Oh, he's in New York? Got it. Yeah, he's in New York in the Lower East Side. And, you know, the Bastry Boys came out in 1980, wow. uh, which the album did very well. Uh, the, the, the tune that opened up the doors for the Bastry Boys was Cheek to Cheek. Heaven, I'm in heaven. Great song. Yeah, and that was, and the reason that that tune kicked off, we owe it all to May he rest in peace, Mr. Paco Navarro. Really? Because Paco Navarro was in 92 KTU. You remember yes. that? Yes. He announced a lot of the bands. Yeah. yeah. But 90, 92 KTU were never allowed to play any salsa. Wow. It was always English. But so, because, so you think because the song was in English, that's why? Because the song was in English, cheek to cheek, 
And the soneos, as you notice, the soneos, they were English. Yes. So if it would have been, if the inspirations would have been in Spanish, they no way hell they were going to play that. You yeah. understand? No way hell they were going to play that. And I need to get to you. So Paco Navarro, in association with Mr. David Maldonado, that we owe a lot of credit to, uh, and Juan Toro, that we worked with also with, with David Maldonado, they gave it to 92 KTU. Um, wow. Wow. And 92 KTU, I mean, we were we would go to do an outside concert, and all we heard, like every 15 or 20 minutes, bro, bum, bum, ba, ba. I'm like, holy shit, he played it again. I mean, I don't know what That's it was, but they were playing it like every 15 to half hour. Cheek to cheek. I mean, that was hot. That was hot. We we worked a lot, man. And we we signed a contract with uh, Miller. Miller High Life. They gave us jackets. They gave us uniforms. Uh, I don't know what type of money they gave Eddie and Nando and David Maldonado because I didn't get any of that. <laughs> you know? But, again, <laughs> I was young. You know, I, I was young and, and, and I was happy to say that I was part of that history, you know, uh, Bass Street Boys from 1980 to 1985. So we recorded uh, three albums, you know, during that time. But Eddie Iglesias um, recorded two albums with us, which was uh, Cheek to Cheek. And then the other one was um, Hollywood, you know, Dancing Hollywood. Uh, and he left, you know, he left the band. And then we were so... When he left the band, David Maldonado left with him. Ah. But David Maldonado was there because of Eddie Iglesias. Hmm. You know what I'm saying? So then now me and Jose Pintor were in a in a in a in a in a, in a jam because now Pintor is saying, okay, Eddie Iglesias is leaving. So what are we gonna do? He said, Well, I still got Frankie. Uh Frankie recorded those songs, La Cita. La calle está dura, <laughs> gitana, dale con la salsa, sabor del barrio. So, you know, these are songs that um, that the Colombians love, the people, from, the people from Peru, Mexico, um, you know, Mexico, uh, people from Nicaragua, you know, Ecuador. And, 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 and these are people that heard these songs. And so they say, oh, Okay, let's go in the studio. Let's record something with Frankie Morales. So then we recorded an album, but we recorded an album, Mario, an album that never came out. So the, from what I understand, the album, I mean, it was, it was one of the best albums that we did because we took it to another level. You know, um, I recorded all the songs and we... I sang English. So that was the advantage that Pintor also had, that I can sing English. I can sing salsa, you know? Um, so then what happened was we recorded an album that never came out. Um, we recorded eight songs, and somehow they wanted to blackball the Bastry Boys. Um, the album is out there somewhere. Uh, from what I'm told, either Victor Gallo 
Fania has it, or uh, some guy named um, Sergio Bofil. You know, they, they had it. So you never got a copy? Um, <clears throat> the one that has a copy, I never got a copy of it. Um, I think it was a, um, a J.R. de Jesus might have one. Uh, but, you know, Jose Pintor passed away, you know, uh, a, a, a couple of months ago. Yeah, you know? we, have to, um, we have to find a way to get that, man. We no, have I'm telling you, man. And um, you remember that song? The sun will come out tomorrow. Remember yeah. that song? Yeah. We, we recorded that in Salsa. Wow. You know, and I, I we, we recorded, you know, there was a lot of a lot of hardcore Salsa there that we weren't able to, to bring out. We did a cha-cha-cha, and J.R. de Jesus was part of the, the arrangers and, and giving the ideas to, to Nando of what we should do. But, you know, Bastard Boys, we did a lot. But then it came to the point where I saw that the band wasn't working that much. And for some reason, I, I, I introduced Nando to Rob Mercado. Rob Mercado always wanted to manage the Backstreet Boys. Ah. But for some reason, Jose Pintor didn't want to do anything with Ralph Mercado. And I don't know why, because Ralphie was, at that time, and always, Ralphie was the man, <laughs> you know? So I, I, I was able to get a meeting. I was able to convince Jose Pintor, let's go with Ralph Mercado. Let's go with Ralphie. I'm telling you, let's go with Ralphie. So we went with Ralphie. Ralphie started putting us at the Red Parrot. Yeah, you know, Rocky has all the connections, bro. The Village Gate, you know, we Ochentas, you know. So we were like, I told Nando, you see, you see, but then things started getting slow. And uh, what's this guy's name? Larry, Landy Sober. Landy Sober, he, Landy Sober Management. He had like Frankie Ruiz. He had all, he had like more bands than Rob McCurk. But he somehow convinced Jose Nando Pintor to go with him and break the agreement with Rafi. So now I look back with Rafi. Yeah. So now we can't play in the clubs that Rafi were running. So I decided, you know what? I think it's time for me to look, to leave, and then Jose. Um, Humberto Corredor, who's a Colombian, was a fan of the Bass Street Boys and a big fan of mine, of me, because of my voice. I went to him and I said, look, I'm, leave, I'm, I'm leaving the Bass Street Boys. You know, what can you do for me? He says, I'll record you. So he said, but for you to record, for me to record you, this is what he's telling me, for me to record you, I need a favor. I said, okay. <laughs> it's always a favor, the Godfather favor. <laughs> I said, okay, what's the favor? He said, I need for you to record a whole album with Los Hermanos Lebron. Wow. Because Pablo Lebron was sick. He All couldn't right. sing. Yeah. We already have the music recorded, and we need somebody to lay down the voice. I said, okay, let me hear it. Mario, let me tell you, when I went there and I put down my voice on one of those songs, Los Hermanos Lebron looked at Humberto and said, 
where the hell have you been hiding this guy? <laughs> He's like, he came down from South South Heaven, bro. Yeah, so I recorded the whole album, man, you know, with Los Hermanos Lebron. Nice. Um, with the understanding of Humberto Corredor, you know, uh, me doing him the favor, which I did. I did him the favor, and it was for me to have my first solo album. Got it. Wait, now, before we go on to that, right, um, I wanted to ask you, what was your personal favorite, uh, your favorite song from the Bad Street Boys? Um, Hidana. Wow, interesting. Okay. Hidana, but, you know, I had several f favorite ones, man, because La Cita was, a, was one of my favorite also because we went to Miami because of that song, La Cita. Got it. Five times in one year, which never wow. happened to any band in, in, in during those times. And this is right after Eddie left. You know, after Eddie left, we still were doing, you know, doing stuff. But, right. you know, La Cita, but La Calle Está Dura, because with La Calle Está Dura, it was a little bit more peppy. Yeah, you know? man, that was an aggressive you know? song. I love that song. And it was like, wow, you know. So, you know. They, they had, and then all the stuff that we caught it with the Backstreet Boys that was different, you know? Got it. Yeah, my, my, mine is uh, La Calle Taura, man. <laughs> it's just, it, it, and, and do you remember when, when I heard the song, I called you and I yeah. said, hey, man, you know, is this is this Hector Lavoe? Or, and you're like, no, man, that's me. <laughs> I was like, no, it's not. He's like, that's my song. I said, oh, boy. And it's only because, you know, because Willie Colon has that dark, aggressive, trombone track those horns are dark especially that mm -hmm. saluda and that's where you know my mind went my mind went to willie or hector and and sure enough it's yours yeah but you know that the reason why the battery boys the trombone sounded like that because they used to double it mm. they used to double it twice so that's why the bones sounded so strong but when we would play live eddie iglesias and the guy that was playing trombone aside of Eddie Iglesias was named Danny Vasquez. I mean, they were powerful, both of them. So, you know, it sounded like four, <laughs> you know? And, and we know it was like, what, piano, bass, uh, Charlie Salina do doubled up on, on bangos and timbal. And we had Chimbo, Conel, Wilson, and Congas. And then you had J.L. Jesus, Santi Gonzalez, who used to play with Hector Lavoe on bass. Yeah, and then yeah. you had Danny and Eddie Iglesias. And then Jose Pinto used to play, you know, something on the side to make him look part of the band. And right. then you had me and then you had uh, Jose Acosta, who used to wow. sing coro with, with Bobby Rodriguez. And he would do the weed on the maraca and do coro. And I forget it, man. It was a, it was a show, man. We Every time we played... And anybody that played next to the Bastry Boys, they better come to play that night because even though we were small, a small group, it sounded like there were 12 guys on, on the stage. It does, man. It does. It sounds loud, which I love. Um, so all you dancers out there, look for the Bad Street Boys album. I'm telling you, it's social dancing for hours and hours and hours. You're going to love it. Listen to it. Um, Frank, let me ask you. So we went from, uh, obviously, your experiences growing up um, with Ismael Miranda and, and doing backup for uh, Cheo Feliciano and Cela Cruz. 
then we go from there to hooking up, obviously, with Hector Lavo. Uh, and from Hector Lavo, we transition over to the Bad Street Boys. So how we transition from the Bad Street Boys over to Mr. Tito Puente? Uh, with Puente, <clears throat> when I was with the Bastry Boys, I left the Bastry Boys and then I started singing with Luis Ramirez. Mm -hmm. Okay, with Luis Ramirez. That's awesome. I didn't even know that. Yeah, I was with Luis Ramirez. That's when Ray de la Paz left. Oh, yeah. okay, got it. Yeah, when Ray de la Paz left, I came in and I started singing with Luis Ramirez. I got a chance to record two songs with him and one of the album. But then, you know, Luis wasn't playing that much. You know, Louis was just part of, uh, he was being run and, run and managed by the people in the Copa. So they used to give him like two gigs a month at the Copa. And, and, and that's it. So uh, some of the guys that play with Louis, Marie, Louis Ramirez left Louis to play with Tito Nieves. Mm. So Tito needed a Corita. Got it. So this is why I'm going to tell you how I got to Puente. So... <laughs> When I left Luis Ramirez and got the, the gig offer with Tito Nieves, singing coro with Tito Nieves, because Tito Nieves at that time, um, he came out with, I'll always love you. Remember that? Yes, and the sir. song, Demi, Demi, Enamorate. Yes. So, I mean, Tito was working. I mean, we were doing like five gigs. Well, that's when uh, Tito left uh, Conjunto Clásico, right? This is when he left Conjunto Clásico. He right. went on his own, and, and during that time, I came in, you know, I came in a little after he started his band. Um, but I came in at the right time when he recorded those albums. De Mira, Mira, Morate, I, I Always Love You. So I was with Tito Nieves for probably like a year and a half from 19, 1998 to, uh, to the middle of 1999. So okay. what happened was, Tito Puente have Frankie Figueroa singing with him. So they, they fired Frankie Figueroa. Okay? Mm -hmm. So I'm going to tell you the story how it is, how it happened. <laughs> Rob Mercado fired Frankie Figueroa because Ralphie was the man that made all the decisions with Puente. If he didn't want you in the band and he wanted somebody to fire you, they were, you were going to get fired. You know what I'm saying? So what happened was since, since I had a good relationship with Rob, Rob Mercado. Ralphie, Frankie, Frankie Figueroa was fired on, on a bad taste, you know, in a bad way, you know, that Ralphie didn't want to know anything about Frankie Figueroa. So Juan Toro, who used to work with David Maldonado, was working with Ralphie. Hmm. So I, when I left Tito Nieves, I wasn't doing anything. I was just doing my nine, nine to five job and Baba, but I was always in touch with Juan Toro. And I told Juan Toro, listen, man, if you know somebody that's looking for Corita or somebody that's looking for single, you let me know because blah, 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 blah. He says, how would you like to sing with Tito Puente? I honestly, Mario, I'm going to tell you like this. I said, Tito Puente, I don't like his music. <laughs> what? <laughs> Are you serious? I'm serious. You oh, said this is Frankie Morales uncensored, right? So this wow. is Frankie Morales uncensored, bro. <laughs> well, listen, it's not that I didn't like his music. It's that I always thought that his music was too fast. Ah, uh, because there's that mambo, that Latin jazz. Right. But then 
I went home and I started listening to his stuff. And I said, holy shit, got something here. No, get a complete I said, now that's my style. Yes. You know? Yeah. Um, so I said, oh, okay. So then I call, I call one daughter. I said, yo, okay. Let's give it a try. So now he's in the car with Rob Ricardo. So Robbie said, I got to get a singer for Puente. He's got a couple of gigs coming up, and I needed to get a singer. So Juan Toro looks at Ralphie and tells him. Perfect timing. Frankie. So what Ralphie looks at Juan Toro and says, no, I don't want shit to do with Frankie Big at all. Juan Toro says, no, Frankie Morales. So Ralphie said, holy shit, why I never thought of that? <laughs> so Ralphie calls me up. Frankie, I said, hey, what's up, Robbie? What's I doing, Papi? I said, I'm doing okay. Listen, I need you to do me a favor. I said, okay. He says, Puente is looking for a singer. I said, yeah, I know one daughter. So I want you to sing with Puente back. I said, okay, I'm going to try out. He said, all right, you'll be fine. <laughs> so my first gig with Puente was every year, Puente used to do a gig on 161st Street in Grand Concourse. Outdoors, he, right? Huh? Wasn't it outdoors? Outdoor. He yeah, always yeah. did that. That's something that Puente did every year for yeah. 161st Street. And, bro, they closed the street. Yes. They closed it. So, so Puente, they say, oh, yeah, we have a singer. So Puente didn't know who I was. He didn't even know what I looked like, bro. So as soon as he counted, one, two, one, two, three, four, five, five, So you know what I did, Mario? Better than what, what song was it? Complicación. Oh my God! Yeah, so yeah, you know, so you know what I did, Mario. I went home before I started singing with Puente, and I studied Santito Colón. Mm, yeah. Meñique. I said, if I'm gonna have this gig, you know, if I want this gig, I'm gonna have to not go in there saying. Frankie Morales is here to the rescue. No. I said, I'm going to listen to Santito and I'm going to listen to Meñique. When I sing, I'm going to sing Santito Colón, Soneos, his style. And when I'll do Niña y Señor, bala, la, niña y bala, I said, I'm going to do Meñique style. Yeah, now and let's, then let's I'm just... going to add a little bit Better of Let's help out the viewers a little bit because they don't they don't know who originally uh, who were the vocals for Tito Puente. So you want you want to share Puente, about Puente, you had yeah from Puente you had a couple of vocalists. You know Frankie yes. Figueroa was there for years, but remember yes. Hector, remember Puente had a lot of singers. You know, but I think the longest one that was there uh, Santito. was Santito Colón, and then yeah. after Santito Colón is when. Um, you know, but you know, Puente had a lot, he had singers, he had a lot of singers out there. But Meñique, for those dancers that are out there that sing, that dance to that song, para la niña y para la señora, the guy that sings that song is El Gran Meñique, you know, Complicación, El Cayuco, and all that stuff. 
was Santito Colon. Yeah. So what I did was, Mario, I started singing um, the Puente songs, Santito Colon style. And, and, and when I started singing Santito Colon style, and then I added a little bit of Frankie Morales style. Of course, you have to. You know, so... Oh, he didn't say nothing to me. He would give me a look, you know, and, and I knew that he was grooming because he said, oh, shit, I'm an old man. This guy is young. Now he's going to make me play all this young music and I don't want to play. <laughs> you know, he's going to give me a heart attack and shit, you know, but. Oh, my God. <laughs> yo, I'm telling you, man. So it, it, it was fun, man, because I finished the gig. Johnny Rodriguez, the guy that was in charge of the musicians, you know, Johnny was Tito's right hand man, you know, Johnny Tito needed something done in the band, uh, information, dress code, how much the gig is paying all that stuff. That's Johnny Rodriguez. Johnny was in charge of the money, <laughs> the musicians and everything. So Johnny comes up to me and he says, uh, you got the gig. I said, what? He said, yeah, yeah, you got the gig. Um, <clears throat> you available tomorrow? I said, yeah, why? He says, we got a gig in Boston. We're leaving tomorrow. Yo, Mario, let me tell you. <clears throat> when I got, when I did the gig in Boston, we were going to play in a private event. Puente, let me tell you, those were the best gigs, man. Puente did all these private corporate gigs. He paid very well. Um, so when, when, we, when we played in Boston, I'm coming down the, the stairs in the hotel and, and Debbie Mercado, because Rob that was Mercado's Rob Mercado's gig. So Ralphie used to always send somebody from the office. So he sends down Debbie Mercado. And Debbie Mercado, so Debbie Mercado's coming down the stairs. So I'm coming down the stairs. All I hear in a loud voice is, there he goes. And I'm like, there goes my new singer, Frankie Morales. That was Tito Puente. Wow. And I'm wow. like, he says, oh, man, we're going to have fun tonight. So, I mean, yo, he started taking all those songs. And, and me, myself, there were two, there were times that I would tell him, why don't you play this? And he says, you want to sing that? I said, that's great music, man. You know, Separala también. He used to play all those songs, Separala también, and all those kind of songs. And I'm like, yo. You got all you know, good. Did you did you ever think that maybe you reignited something in him that made him feel that young soul of a percussionist to go back and play those original tracks again that he wasn't playing? Well, I think he used to always play it, but now he probably got a new feel of the singer. Because remember, I'm a young guy. Yeah. So I used to play with La Clave. He used to not like that. You know, he would look at me every time I would sing a certain way and I wouldn't and I wouldn't fall on the clave. He would give me that look like saying, next time you do it, you better sing it on clave. So <laughs> I, I'm telling you, bro, I will, I will sing, you know, I would go and do my homework with Tito. You know, Tito was, let me tell you, working with Tito for me was first class. I mean, first class. I remember something with Puente, bro. We were working so much that we only had time. I was living in the Bronx at the time. We only had time to go home, 
drop your bag, pack up something, and go. So one day, Mario, I left my tickets. I left one of oh. I left one of my connecting flights. Oh no. Yeah, yeah. I left one of my connecting flights. And then what happened was I come and, and I'm there by Tito, let me tell you. Tito being the leader that he is, he will never, he will make sure that everybody got their body pass. He will stand right there. So he saw that I'm having a party. He said, what's going on? He said, I think I left my ticket home. He said, you left your ticket home? I said, yeah, I think I left in my connecting flight. He said, I got this one, but I, I think I, I thought I put them together, but I did it, Tito. He said, okay. He went inside his wallet. <clears throat> he said, give him another ticket. He bought me a ticket. Oh, my God. He bought me a ticket, and then he comes and he says, when you get home from the gig, just do me a favor. When you get the ticket in your house, on the next gig, just bring it. Because what happens is he will get reimbursed, which is all, all logical. But that was Tito, man. You know, and, and he would never leave any of his guys. And, and he was always, like, taking care of his guys. And, you know, I used to always stay behind with Tito because Tito used to always have a, this, this bag. Heavy. I mean, Mario, this shit was heavy. And I'm like, <laughs> I used to always see him, you know, like carrying, walking like this. And I'm like, Tito, what the hell? Did you <laughs> I said, give me that bag. So I, he, he said, well, um, he said, Coño Frankie, thank you, man. Thank you. I said, no, let me, I, I, I'll help you with that bag. So I said, Tito, what the hell do you have in this bag? This shit is so heavy. You know what he had in there, Mario? He had a recorder. Uh -oh. You know those old antique Recorder with the microphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That when he would think of, of a song, that's what he would do. Wow. He would record right there so wow. that he doesn't forget it. So, you know, I, 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 um, and now we have an iPhone for that. Crazy, right? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's so crazy. But, you know, and, and then, you know, I, I was able to, to be able to get like a, a in a good relationship bond with Tito and, and stuff like that. You know, when Tito passed away, he he made a couple of phone calls. This this touches me a lot. He called he called Mario Rivera, may he rest in peace. He called <clears throat> Ray Vega and he called my house. I wasn't there. Oh I wasn't there. We were performing. He that's the day that he went to get surgery. Yeah, it's an open at, surgery, right? At, yeah, and at that time, you know, I was, I was, you know, with my with my kid's mother at the time, and he, she picked up the phone and he told her, "It's me, Tito. No, Frankie, we're gonna be fine. We get back. We're gonna get work." And and that's when he passed away. You know, but uh, that was that was that was Tito, man. You know, but that but was that, me. That, that speaks a lot from his character that he actually took time to call. The people that you know he respected and he looked he looked up to most. Yeah, yeah, and you know, and, and the thing is that you know Tito was like <clears throat> he was. Don't a be business. crying on me, bro. Don't be crying, bro. Yo, he, I mean, he was yo, he was business, bro. I mean, business professional, professional, prof professional. That's why. Let me tell you, when I go away to perform with bands, I'm a pain in the ass on my music, Mario. I'm sorry, I, I'm a pain. You know, and I got that being a pain in the neck with my music because of Tito. I used to see how Tito was on stage like this. If he will hear a, 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 a wrong note, 
he will go with a stick like this. I'm serious. He will go, let's go. Come on, let's go. I'm like, oh, oh somebody's getting docked today. Or somebody's going to get fired. But, you know, oh. so, you know, I mean, so I learned that. I learned, I learned that from him because when I go away to perform in Mexico or I go to Europe or I go to, uh, let's say, Peru or all these places, I want the music played a certain way. So basically, Tito was a Tito Puente was a big influencer for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you know, if you notice that my instrumentation, when I had the opportunity to have when Puente passed away, the album that I did, Mambo the Times, remember the album? Yes, yes. If you want the Mambo, yeah. the Cuban beat, you know why that album sounds like that? That's the Tito Puente Orchestra. Ah, got it. That's why you're able to hear that sound. I say, you know what? You had Johnny Rodriguez <clears throat> on bangos. You had Georgie Delgado on congas. Wow. On timbales, Chino Nunez. On, on, on tenor sax, Mario Rivera. On baritone, Pete Miranda. On trombone, Reynaldo Jorge. On trumpet, Ray Vega and John Walsh. On piano, Sonny Bravo. Wow. And on bass, Ruben Rodriguez and Calito Enrique. Uh, so, and then on coros, I had Rey de la Paz, oh. Jose Mangual, and, and Jimmy Sabater. Wow. No wonder, bro. No wonder. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Rey de la Paz, Jose Manuel, y Adalberto Santiago. Wow. So, but when Tito passed away, I said, you know what? In memory of Puente, I want to have almost the same sound. Two saxes, like one like sound, and two trumpets, yes. Wow. Wow. Yeah. So let me ask you. First of all, these stories, man, I'm so happy you're sharing them. They're amazing. I'm learning some new stuff and hope all the listeners uh, and viewers are also um, learning and, and being inspired. What is your personal favorite Tito Puente song? And I know it's tough. He has a, <clears throat> I use boleros. Hmm. Tus ojos. Hoy mire tus ojos. And then he had a medley. Tus ojos, mírame más, mírame más. Wait, was that Santito? Yeah, Santito Colón, yeah. And then you had, I cariño. Remember that? I cariño. That was boleros. But a lot of people don't know that the guy that's doing the second voice there, it's Tito Puente. Oh, no, I never knew that. You didn't know? Listen no. to it. Yeah. You have, you have, you have Santito Colón and Tito Puente doing, Tito did all the duos for Santito when they had to do with the boleros. Wow. Yeah. So, you know, I, I used to like those songs of Puente that he did the boleros. Pero Puente, one of my favorites with Tito was, besides Complicación, Sepárala. Hay un dichito en la mano que te la ponen, que se la ponen. Y lo van a oír, oye, y lo van a oír. Sepárala también, con tingo, con sepárala también. And that was Puente, man. 
you know, el cayuco, you know, niña y señora, and all those type of songs, you know, um, Bam Banguere. Oh. Remember that song? Soy la rumba que vuelve un par de borrachas de I've shared with you many times my favorite album is the Birdland album that was live. Which uh, one? Uh, Dance Mambo Mania Birdland? or Mambo Birdland 2? Mambo Birdland, bro. And, and you were on the vocals on that one. Well, I'm on, I'm on vocals on the both of them. And, you know, let me tell you, that recording, Mario, that recording was, was very, very, very stressful. Mm. Because let me tell you how that happened. Originally... That album was supposed to be Tito Puente and Gilberto Santa Rosa. Wow. You didn't know that, right? No, no. So I was, <laughs> I was put on the side. But why? Because it was going to be live? No, no, because originally they were in negotiation that Santi, uh, Gilberto Santa Rosa always wanted to record an album with Puente. Mm. That was his dream, to right. record with Puente. They couldn't come to an agreement. <clears throat> I don't know what happened, and I didn't want to get involved, you know? So it came to the point that they said, Frankie, you recording. I had to learn all those songs. Wow. Right on the spot. I mean, on the spot. So with when they're doing these recording live at Birdland, which I think is the best. Let me tell you, when you do a recording, I think that's the best thing to do, record live. Because you're singing live. You're playing live. Yeah, but the only difference, Mario, was the musicians were able to go back to the studio and fix any mistakes that they made. In reference to me, I couldn't fix my mistakes. Whatever I said stood mm -hmm. because it was a live mic. Got you, you, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So <clears throat> with Puente, it was it was it was it was hard because with Puente, with Puente, like for instance, one day we were gonna do Berlin, like you said, live by Berlin. We did a gig all the way in New Jersey that same day. To come to Berlin, they had everything. John Fosty had the studio. He had his big truck outside, you know, and <clears throat> I was tired. You know, we just finished doing a couple of gigs that same day and then go to Berlin and do that live. You know, I was drinking a lot of tea, you know, <laughs> uh, and, and it was great. It was great because, <clears throat> you know, uh, the first album, Dance Mania 99, was nominated. For a Grammy, it was nominated, and then Mambo Birdland was the one that won the Grammy. And you know that that album when Tito won the Grammy, he was sleeping in the Grammys. He was with Tito Puente Jr. But Tito used to say, "Ah, I'm not gonna win." Tito used to go to these places and say, ah, "I'm not gonna win." It's just Tito Puente Jr. telling us, telling me the story. You know, he said, "Ah, oh, my father was like, ah, I'm gonna go, but I'm not. I, we never win." They said it when Tito, he was sleeping, he was nodding out of his chair. And when he heard, and the winner, Mambo Berlin, Tito, but he said, what? I won. What? Wow. <laughs> See, that's an awesome story, man. That's what we need to hear. Yeah, but I'm still waiting for my Grammys, bro. <laughs> I haven't got them, bro. 
Are you serious? Oh Listen, my God. No. I still haven't gotten that one. Uh, Obra Maestra. Wow. You know, Obra Maestra, you know? Yeah. You know, I don't want to talk about Obra Maestra because you, you don't want me to be Frankie Morales on Sensei, right? <laughs> no, no. Oye, let's move on, bro. Let's keep it clean. Oye, Oye, so after Tito Puente, obviously you went into your own solo career, right? Uh, yes. That's when Mambo the Times came out. Which was a great album. So if you guys have not heard it, Mambo of the Times Frankie Morales, go check that out. It's a great album. Yeah, then Mambo the Times came that, out. Yes? Yeah, Mambo the Times came out. And then that was on the Humberto Corredor, Caiman Records. Right. Um, and then right after Mambo the Times, <clears throat> I didn't record anything, but then I started recording as a guest artist with Humberto Corredor because he had his uh, record label, Cobo Abuelo Records All Stars. And, I won the Ace Award with uh, Son Boricua. I recorded with Son Boricua. Uh, uh, Calman All-Stars, Abuelo All-Stars. And then <clears throat> I didn't do anything. I didn't do no recording until 2007. And then uh, I called my boy, Ernie Acevedo, from Conjunto Imagen, yes. who had his own label. And I told Ernie, I said, yo, man, you know, I'm looking for somebody to record me. And Ernie said, I'll record you. So 2007, I recorded an album um, called Frankie Morales, A Toda Velocidad. Um, that's where in that album, it's that, and that one, and one of your favorite tunes. My favorite, <laughs> so, you know, that was, you know, that's one of my favorite tunes. So 2007, I worked a lot, man. You know, I, I, I worked a lot. I pushed the album. I was going a lot to Europe uh, with Jimmy Bosch as a vocalist with Jimmy. Richie Bonilla was my personal manager at the time. He, he got me a lot of gigs in Europe. That's how I was able to pay for my wedding, man. <laughs> you, know, you know, I got married to my wife, Carmen Torres Morales, in 2000, 2007. And, and, but, you know, during before that, I mean, 2000... Mambo the Times, you know, Mambo the Times did good for me in Europe. Um, and then also, I thought that I was 2007. And, and, and from there, it was, you know, I still had my band. You know, after 2007, the album did very well. And I know Ernie Acevedo making money, <laughs> you know, he, he made money, you know, uh, in, in, in the record sales and CD sales. Um, and then I got a chance to record after that uh, with my brother, Noel Vargas, uh, which is Frankie Morales. No Techie Walkers, it's Frankie Morales. Very good album. Very, very, very good album. Um, but what happened with that album, uh, Mario, was that we had great arrangers. Uh, we had uh, Willie Ruiz, Chino Nunez, um, J. Ale Jesus, este... We had, uh, who else at the, um, the guy from, from Puerto Rico at the, I don't remember, I can't remember his name, man. And, and, and then um, uh, we had Jose Madera arrangement there. Um, and it was great. But what happened was that the album, before it came out, Mario, <clears throat> 
Somebody got their hands on it. Oh, no. And downloaded all the songs on their site. So everybody was able to. Oh, the other ranger was Tommy Villalini and Mr. Ray Santos. May he rest in peace. Um, <clears throat> and composer Mike Amadeo, a composer, you know, I had it también. Eh, Don Sonero, Gilberto Velasquez, who wrote a couple of songs for me. Maximo Rodriguez, arrangement also. But somebody, Mario, took the album, bought it, and downloaded it on their website, where everybody that liked the album was getting the album for free. So my boy, Noel Vargas, <clears throat> who invested money in the recording, you know, he got disgusted. And I don't, I didn't blame him. You know, very good album. If you guys haven't heard it, just go down. You, you'll see it. You can hear it. It's called Frankie Morales, No Te Equivoques. Don't get it twisted in English. But in Spanish, it's Frankie Morales, No Te Equivoques. Very good album. Very good album. Um, and that's what oh, happened, man. man. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and no you know. So after that, you know, I've been recording like singles now with, with Noel Vargas. Um, Laying El Cuero uh, was a single. And then another one was Lagrimas that originally was for Luisito Ayala, who passed away. And since me and Luisito were like this, and, my, and Noel Vargas and Luisito were like this, we were like brothers, all three of us. Noel asked me to finish the song for Luisito. But again, Mario, in memory of Luisito Ayala, what I did was I went to see how he sang. And I sang the song the way he was singing it. The way he started it <clears throat> is the way I continued it. And I decided to keep that same flow that he had. Um, and, you know, and this is what's under uh, um, VMP Records. Um, it's called Lagrima. So the people that are out there and you haven't heard those songs, it's a nice song because it starts slow, but then it goes into hardcore. You know, timbal solo, conga solo. The, the dancers, I know some of the dancers don't like to, don't, don't like to dance long songs, but if you want to sweat <clears throat> and you want to burn some calories... <laughs> That's a good song. Those are songs that I guarantee you're going to sweat. Laying El Cuero, Frankie Morales, Lagrimas, Frankie Morales. And, you know, and also, before I even say finish anything, not finish, but on that album, um, No Te Equivoques, I had the honor. I had the honor to be, to have as a special guest my brother, Germán Oliveira, El Sonero del Siglo. We recorded now a tune called El Barrio. And then on the last song, which is called No Están Senala, remember that? No Están Senala. So on that song, I told Noel, why don't we invite singers? And each singer can sing a, 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 a verse, a different verse of the song, of the lyrics. So we invited Rey Sepulveda to come in, Sammy Gonzalez. Yoko La Japonesa, and we also, Rey Viera, came in and we see 
and Luisito Ayala. So you have five, five singers plus me singing in that song with Taz and Nada, and we're like one after another singing, 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 singing. singing. So let me ask you, because uh, you mentioned the dancers a lot and uh, myself, you know, included, I'm, I'm one of those dancers who appreciate your music. And I know you cater a lot to the dancers, but the dancers want to know, can you dance? Of course I can dance. <laughs> <Do> you- <laughs> of course. You know, let me tell you, <clears throat> in my family, from the little kids to the oldest, they are taught how to dance in my family. That was a tradition. Got it. You know, but <clears throat> we dance the old way. Changleta style. The changleta style. But remember, Mario, that's the easy way. Right. Because the way I dance is the way I taught my daughter, Megan, how to dance. Easy. I told her, from side to side. Got side it. to side. Little light. But remember, <laughs> The dancers dance on two. Right. For us old timers, that we learned the old way from the Fania days, the Barrio days, you know, how they used to dance, the Machito era, you know those days? Yeah. For us, it's very easy to learn how to dance on two because all you have to do is just add that extra beat, that extra step, and you're already on two. So. Yeah. So if you look at my daughter now, Megan, I taught her the old way. And now she added on her own how to dance on two. But I dance, I can dance on one and I can dance on two. And if there's a three that I don't know, I'll dance on three two. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay, so I have a, uh, you know, in that same field, right? Um, one, when you're performing, uh, do you... Do you feel energy from the dancers? Because I know when I'm when I'm social dancing in front of a live band or something, and that band is on fire, that just keeps me going. That just inspires me more. Do you feel that the dancers help you when you're performing up on stage? Well, the dancers the dancers can tell you if the song is good or <laughs> if the song is no good. Got it. Because I've seen it happen. You know, I've seen it happen where. I, I have told artists that I have backed up and I said, yo, this is a different clientele. Right. You know, you can't go on stage and perform to think about you. You got to think about the dancers, right. the audience. This is how I always think. You know, um, when I see the dancers dancing, <clears throat> I love it. When I see them sweating, I, I love it even more because I already know that they're getting into it. And, and, and I already know that if I play this song, see, Mario, I, I'm like, like with, with Tito, man. I learned this from Tito, man. You know, it, the, Tito always told me, when you got the dancers on the floor, keep them on the floor. Mm. Because as soon as they start spreading out, it's hard to get them back on their floor. You know, so that's something that <clears throat> I, I take very personal when when I when they tell me, oh, you're going to play in the Salsa Congress. I love it because I know there's going to be a lot of dancers there from all around the world, from Europe, from Japan, from Singapore, from all these places. Even when I go to Mexico, all these dancers, they come down, you know, Las Vegas, Salsa Congress. You know, now, it, it's, it's great. 
I know it's two different, totally two different experiences when you're performing, like let's say with the hype of the biggest stage in the world, Madison Square Garden, as opposed to performing at a Congress where you're performing for those dedicated dancers um, who want to dance to your music, who listen to your music because they want to dance to it, not just sit down and watch a performance. Um, can you share with us, you know, not, not to say one is better than the other, but, you know, which one would you prefer? Which one gives you more energy? Sitting in front of an audience that's watching sitting down or, like you said, sweating and enjoying themselves? If, if, if I had an option <clears throat> and they would say, okay, we want you to do Madison Square Garden, <laughs> right? And we're going to offer you $25,000 to come and sing. But then now we're, we're, off, we're, we're, we're inviting you to come down to Sasa Congress on that same time, same day. Would I prefer to do the Madison Square Garden? No, I would prefer to do the Sussex Congress. Even though I'm getting paid less, you understand? <clears throat> now, if there was a, a different time schedule and, and you could, I couldn't do nothing, I said, you know what? I'd rather do the Sussex Congress because why? You know, it's like you said, the people are sitting there. They can't get up to dance. They can't because automatically when you play in Lehman, you know, concerts are Lehman or in all these other places, they do not allow you to dance. <clears throat> you know, yeah. So it, it, at the same time, <clears throat> you're like, okay, I'm singing. And you see the people just there moving their legs, but they can't dance. <laughs> but I prefer, if it's up to me, my opinion, I would rather do an event, Sasa Congress, where everybody I know, they're enjoying my music. Nice. I think all of the dancers who are listening, musicians, artists, uh, respect uh, that choice, including myself. Um, so thank you for, for sharing that. You didn't have to answer that, but thank you because uh, that, that speaks volume. You know, the fact well, that. Is, but you said this is Frankie Morales uncensored, right? Uncensored. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so on that note, um, before we tackle the soulness uh, aspect of, of, the, of, of your experiences, the. From your experience of where you started singing and, and your surrounding and your environment of singing, do you think ha uh, the music has changed and evolved for the good, uh, for, you know, for the better of the music? Or you think the music has gotten worse since, you know, your personal experiences growing up in the music industry? Um, <clears throat> the music has changed a lot because now these days you have a certain amount of uh, artists that are trying to cater to a certain style. You know, it's not like the old days. Uh, you know, I'm glad that he, Beltito Santa Rosa, is keeping it, keeping it real. You know, with the last album that he just did now, you know, <clears throat> uh, he's got a lot of artists there, a lot of invited uh, singers. Jose Alberto Canario, Tito Nieves, Luisito Carreón, Tito Roas, and, and, and Germán Oliveira, you know, and I heard uh, some of the songs, and, and I mean, they up tempo and yeah. change of pace. But now, and you know, it's now, and now it's still the same, you know, same stuff, you know, same music, same arrangers, you know, um, same lyrics, you know, romantico and 
and, and, and it's hard. It's not like before, man. Like right now, you know, I, 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 there's a song that I'm going to be, I'm waiting for that I sent to a range in Venezuela uh, by this guy named Alberto Crespo. He was one of the arrangers on, on No Te Equivoques. It's Frankie Morales. He did um, um, he did the uh, the recording of Pobre Pobre Tonto. He did the, the arrangement. So there's a song <clears throat> that my boy Noel Vargas is the composer. And then the name of the song is Baila Mi Reina. When Noel sang it to me, I said, wow. That's like a rumba song. That's like an unto dancers that once they hear the song they say ah oh, this is what we want to play this is what we want to dance to um <clears throat> so Miami Reina remember that song boom 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 you know it's yes. it, it's it, it, even though that's not the song but it's in that style danceable. that the dance that is very danceable so you know I want to be different <clears throat> from everybody I, I hear I listen I I, I lean back I hear what everybody's is, is doing and what and and I and I be saying to myself, what can I do? Nobody does bombas anymore, Mario. No. Nobody does bombas. You know. No. And there's uh, a lot of you remember uh, a guy named Cruzado too, man. Yeah, you remember a singer called Yeah, you remember a singer called Mon Rivera? Of course. Yes. Okay. <clears throat> Mon Rivera used to have a song called Que gente averigua, que gente averigua, que gente averigua, cámara y nunca me han abandonado. You know, él era cantante trabalengua. Hmm. I'm thinking about doing that. It's different. Change it. Right. You know, change it. Because I, I'm always looking to do different things, try to be different than everybody right you know um so that people could say wow this is different right we haven't heard this before we heard it so, before years back do you think that the, the salsa music today because obviously you know it was big with mambo mambo was mambo was huge right you had tito rodriguez machito tito puente mario balsa xavier cougat chano pozo I mean, the list goes on, and then we transition over to Latin jazz. Of course, you know Eddie is still in the game. Eddie Palmieri, mm -hmm. um, and and we 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 have this sense that we lost that authenticity, and we're losing that soulness, right? That soul of what the music represented and and why we represent it for so long. Uh, do you feel it's losing its soul, salsa? I I think so because <clears throat> what happens is that people are, are are stuck on one thing, man. Yeah, man. You know, they don't want to go outside of that box. You know, and, and you can't you can't be stuck. You know, that's like a dancer showing the same moves all the time and not doing something different. You know, like every every dance instructor is different. You're different. You know, all the other guys that give classes, everybody does different moves, you know, and, and that's what's so perfect about you guys. They can't say, oh. And that's the reason why you're successful. That's why you got people that come to your dance studio because they know what they are going to get from your dance studio. You're going to get a lot of different uh, moves, not the same thing as always, you know. Right. But I think that that's what 
you know, I look at all these singers, young singers that are coming up, and I'm looking at the path that they're doing, and I'm saying to myself, you know, like, be different, man. Don't don't try don't try to <clears throat> sing like Mark or do Mark style because it's not it's not gonna work. Right. You know, Mark Mark already has that style. I mean, how can you say acomodado? You know, ain't nobody gonna be able to 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 outbeat that sound that he has. You know, he's got one of the guys that does the sound that give him a sound. Um, Sergio George, you know what I mean? Sergio knows the sound that Mark needs and and all these artists that, that he records. But right. to me, it's all the same. You know, when you got guys like guys like let's say Marty Shella. You never heard of Marty Shella? Yes, sir. Okay, Marty Shella was one of the arrangers. He still lives, he's still around. Um, one of the arrangers from the old, from the 70s, from the 60s. He was the one that gave the best three boys the sound that they have. Marty Schella, Louis Cruz, okay? Louis Rami, Louis Cruz was a piano player. You know, great arranger. He he arranged for all these all these artists. Cheo Feliciano, Hector Lavo, uh, Ray Barreto, Eddie Palmer. Louis Cruz recorded for all these, arranged for all these guys. You got Marty Scheller, Louis Cruz, Ray Santos, okay? Uh, Louis Perico Ortiz, Tommy Villalini, you know, Jose Madera. You know, those guys, you know, you know who's also a great arranger? Oscar Hernandez. He's from the old school. Oscar Hernandez, he's, a, he's from the old school. You know, these are guys that, Cuto Soto, I got a I got an arrangement from from when I recorded with uh, on my own. It's a tune called Lo que tú tienes no es mío. Pow! Lo que tú tienes no es mío. Ba ba ba. Cuto Soto. So you know what I mean? It's like that music. You're not gonna get that. Yeah. And if, you know, if, if, if I'm gonna tell you right now, and I'm gonna be very, 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 very honest with you. Bring it. If I have an option. Of which music I would like to have and record and have as a backbone to me in my career, I would like to have those guys as my backbone to my music. You know, you know, the new guys are good. You know, I I I, I don't get me wrong. Another guy that doesn't get credit, Ricky Gonzalez. Another yeah, great arranger, Chino, Chino Nunez, Willie you know Willy Ruiz. I mean, these are guys that I use when I'm going to arrange. Ricky Gonzalez did one arrangement for me, and it's hard for me to get him to do another arrangement because, you know, he plays with Mark Anthony, you know. But anything that Ricky Gonzalez touches, I yeah. mean, it's, it's, it's like you, you can't ask for better, you know. But – you know, I, I only use certain guys like Alberto Alberto Crepo. I use. He's from Venezuela. I love the way he arranges. Um, Maximo Rodriguez, bass player. Great arranger. Nobody uses him, but when he does, he did something for me, which is the, the, the Que Me Vale, which is one of the songs I love to sing. Why? Because 
it was different. The arrangement was different. And I love that. Frankie, let me ask you, man, because you're you're displaying so much passion. And this is one of the reasons why we decided to do a podcast like this, because we're passionate, too, man. And we want to share passion. So from your perspective, um, what does Afro, I would say Afro-Latin rhythm roots, what does Afro-Latin mean to you? Well, you know, Afro-rhythm is like Tito used to always say that people always say that the music came from Cuba. Right? And Tito would say the music came from Africa. <laughs> you know? And it's true because, you know, we had those beats there. You know, so I used to always have Tito, you know, they used to always ask Tito all these questions, you know, like when they asked Tito, salsa. You know, Tito would say, salsa tomate goya. You know, <laughs> he, he, he would never love it to say salsa, even though he had to say it. But Tito was like, you know, <clears throat> Latin jazz, you know, his stuff was Latin jazz, every music. He was a great arranger. He, Tito was a great arranger, a great composer. Um, but, you know, those those questions like that, you know, uh, Afro-Cuban is like, you know, Machito, perfect example. You know, he used to have an Afro-Cuban orchestra and he used to have Afro-Cuban. Yeah, he put the forefront for that. So, yeah, so, you know, he had all those guys, you know, uh, Mario Bauzo, you know, Mario Bauzo and Mario Bauza and, and all those guys, you know, Jose Madera, Gianni Rodriguez, Sammy Bravo, Pozo. you know, yeah. Pozo, and, and you got, you know, all those guys from the old days, Barreto, Roberto Rovena, Jimmy Delgado, um, Jimmy Delgado, uh, Orete Vilato, you know, Nicky Marrero, Eddie Montalvo, you know, so these guys, man, I was able to be around all these guys and, and listen to them and hear what they do. And so uh, another another guy, El Pulpo, you know, Humberto El Pulpo mm. Colón, tremendous, Classic. tremendous, you know, piano player. Danny Rosado, who plays bass for me, played with Hector Lavo. You know, these are guys that have been in the music so many years, man, and they know, they know about all these Afro rhythm uh, beats and all that stuff. You know, that, you know, it's like if somebody would take the time and sit down and take notes of all these guys and write a book, that book would be a freaking a, 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 a big seller because you're getting story from all these guys, man. You know, and, and, and it's That's funny. And I think probably in YouTube, if they, people look in YouTube, you can get these things from all these people. You interviews from El Pulpo, Eddie Montalvo, Yanni Rodriguez, Jose Madera, and all these guys, man. Let's start writing the book on Monday, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Oh, yeah. So let me ask Doing you. Doing this man. coronavirus, every this is a good time to write. <laughs> it is a great time to write. We'll have a lot of good stories, bro. Oh, yeah. So let me ask you. Um, me, me I'm, I've been in the scene for 25 years. And obviously, as you can see, I don't look Hispanic. I don't sound Hispanic. Uh, my skin tone is very privileged. Uh, and I can say I, I've gotten um, I've had my share of struggles. Um, I've used my complexion uh, as a privilege to get myself around sometimes, uh, which I'm sure a lot of other people do, too. Uh, but it has his pros and cons. And as many times I wasn't well accepted because of my skin tone or I didn't sound Hispanic or I didn't play this role of a Latino. 
Did you have any struggles um, growing up in the music industry or just in life in general, just to get to where you are today because of, you know, your, your African skin tone or, or you're Latino or, you know, you're not Caucasian or whatever this racism that unfortunately stereotype in this world that we live in? Well, <clears throat> I don't, I don't think so. I know there was a, I know there was always a, a, a rumor, not rumor, but there was always musicians commenting in the sense of, that in the salsa industry, no dark skin guy was accepted. Like, let's say Peter Conde Rodriguez, you know, great singer, great sonero. Um, wasn't, he was great. Everybody knew him in Puerto Rico and all around the world, but he never got the recognition that he got. You know, like a guy, like, let's say, um, Ruben Blaze. Hmm. Uh, Lyskin, you know, Blanquito, right. um, Mike Quintana, and so on and so on. But I think that in the music side industry, I don't think it was that much like that, you know, because, you know, you had Cheo Feliciano, you had a, a um, Tito Rodriguez, no era. Lebron Brothers. The Lebron Brothers, you know what I mean? Um, they were dark skin. Uh, Tito Rodriguez yep. wasn't dark skin. He wasn't light skin. He was in between, you know. And, you, know you had also you had also at the Mike Rivera and era Trigueñito and um, Luigi Texidor, you know. So these guys. So okay. you know, I don't know. <clears throat> it, 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 it's very hard. It's very hard to say. I think that if you if you were popular and you had a hit. You wasn't gonna have a problem. Now, if you didn't have a hit, then now that's a different story. <laughs> that's a different story. Okay. Because then it's not gonna be as easy as a guy who's got a hit, he's got the same color. Perfect example, Jose Alberto Canario. Jose Alberto, since day one, Tipica 73. Soon as he left Tipica 73, what did he do? He won his own and he did swing your gun right? He hit that was history. That's it, you know. So the color didn't matter, man. <laughs> now, uh, I know you travel a lot, and I know things have been on hold because of the whole COVID thing. Um, but tell us a little bit about your experience. If it's any different performing in other, you know, in other countries outside of the U.S., or you think it's the same recognition, the same love? You know. <clears throat> To be honest to, with you, uh, Mario, I think that mostly when you're going out, now this is Frankie Morales uncensored here. I feel that when you're going, when you go outside of your base, outside of your base, right. depending, um, they treat you better. When you outside, in the sense of they don't want to shortchange you. In the sense of pay, um, and I right. know they don't. They have a sense of more respect. And out of respect, um, you know, like over here, like in New York, New Jersey, I admire our Hispanics. You know, they they love us. They love our music and. And, you know, they'll say, oh, let's take a picture, blah, 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 blah. But 
what what open what open open us my my heart opens up my heart so much is that when you got Colombians and you got Venezolanos and you got Peruanos and you got people from Ecuador and you got in all these countries from outside they that you go somewhere like for instance when I play in a casino Resort World Casino or in the Empire Yonkers yo they bring your records man. I mean, hmm. records of, of me that I recorded when I was young. You know, I'm like, where the hell yeah. did you get these records? You know, they collect Those these fans. You know, these I, these are people that I yeah. say they're like my they like fans because you know why? They know Frankie Morado music. They know my history. You know, um, and it, and it's hard because you know it, when I when. <clears throat> There's people that know me and there's people that don't know me. But I think that when I go outside of New York, New Jersey, you know, people know me more. Uh, people appreciate my music more. Um, and I think that's something that needs to change um, because we, we love playing here. We love being home, playing to the people that are here because this is the people that we cater to, you know? So... You know, and it's like, I think it's different, like, like perfect example, the, the artists in Puerto Rico. It's different when they're over there, like when you got Luisito Carreo or let's say Johnny Rivera that lives over there and all these guys and the people see them and say, hey, vaya, Johnny, que si esto, Luisito. You know, they get that connection, you know, that recognition, you know, over here, I think, I think that we do, we also deserve, you know, that recognition. Guys like me, you know, that I got my band, Conjunto eh, Imagen, they they celebrating their 40th anniversary. Uh, Eddie Montalvo got his band. Um, who else? You know, there's a lot of bands in New York, but again, you know, you know, people, anybody can say they have a band. Anybody can say they have a bag. Anybody. But it's like what Hector Lavoe was saying in Spanish. It's, it's, no es decir que tiene una orquesta. Es decir como mantener una orquesta. Which means you can say you have a band, but if you're not working and you're not playing, <laughs> there's no sense for you to say that you have a band, you yep. know? And that's okay. why, Mario, I always say, you know, you know me. I do my gigs in La Nueva Elegancia. I do my own gigs. I do my own gigs. Yeah. And the reason I do my own gigs is because I don't like nobody putting a price on me and putting a price on my band. I know what my guys are worth. You know, my wife can tell sense. you. My wife can tell you, and I know you've probably been through it also. I've gone home with no money. I pay my guys out of my pocket. When I do stuff in La Nueva Elegancia, thank God, with the help of you, Mario, that always helped me out with my with the promotion and with having getting people there and vice versa, you know, and, and plus me promoting on, on Facebook and socialism and, and on social uh this uh, people and, and standing online, concerts, giving out flyers. I, I've gone to Lehman 
giving out flyers and people see me like, what the hell? You giving out flyers? Yes, I'm giving out flyers and I don't feel bad giving out flyers. You know why? Because it's my event. And I know that if I don't push it, nobody's going to push it. Right. Nobody's going to push it for me. So, you know, and it's it's rough. It's rough. It's rough. Well, I mean, that's what I was going to say next because – People hear, you know, these names like Tito Puente and, and Frankie Morales and all these other names, but they don't realize that it may sound like all fun and games, but there's a lot of work. And I personally know a lot of musicians who have to do two, three, sometimes four gigs a day to make ends meet. On top of that, they have nine to fives. You know, always worked. so it's. Yeah. And, and a lot of these, you know, a, a lot of people, they just see, oh, this is a big name. He must be a millionaire. And, you know, he doesn't have to work another day in his life. Uh, you want to share about that a little bit? <laughs> Let me tell you. Thank God. I've been working since I had my first son. My son now is 30. Uh, my son now is 38 years old. 38 when my son hit, when I had my son at the age of 16, 17 years old, I said, I've got to go to work. I still went to school, but I said, I got to go to work because I got to support my son. You know, mm-hmm. I always wanted to be with my son the way I was it with my father. That's one thing. You understand what I'm saying? Deep. So yeah. I've always worked, and, and I say to myself, Thank God that with this thing that's going on now with the coronavirus, I thank God that I've always had my job, my nine to five. You know, when people say, oh, que la música, I I never live off the music. That's why I've always been able to, when I do my events, and I tell my guys, yo, la nueva elegancia, my guys know that they got got their back covered. Because if I don't make the money at the door, all I got to do is go to my account because I save money. You know, I got my day job. You know, any musician that decides to live off the music, to me, I don't know. It's it's hard. It's hard because my thing is, how are you going to pay your rent? How are you going to pay your bills? You know, now, you know, how? It's hard. You know, you, you got a family yeah, to support. Yeah. You got to put pray and all that stuff. But again, yeah. it's hard. It's hard, Mario, because, you know, it, it, with, with the bands these days, it, I don't know. I don't know what more. I don't know what more to say, man. But I thank God that I, I never lived off the music, man. And I always had my nine to five job. Oh. And there's a lot of guys have. And there's a lot, a lot of, of guys. Yeah, you know, Eddie, Eddie Montalvo. Eddie Montalvo retired. You know, he retired, Kyle Edison. You know what I mean? At football, always had a job, nine to five. Um, Chucky Lopez, who passed away, always worked. Imael Quintana, post office, always worked. You know? Wow. So these guys guys always work, man. You know, and, you know, the good thing about having to work, Mario, and a lot of people don't understand this, you got vacation. Yes. That's why you work around your your gigs. Okay, I'm on vacation. I'm gonna take a day off, you know, or or right. I'm gonna take vacation. 
it's always like that, bro. You know, it's <laughs> wow. Well, man, listen, your your stories are amazing. Uh, I'm really, really grateful for you sharing these stories. But uh, before we wrap this up, uh, I, I want to ask you something for everyone who's, uh, you know, viewing and, and listening. If there's a message um, that you can leave to future generations of dancers or musicians, um, what would that be? What what message would you leave for them? Those Those who are inspiring to become a Frankie Morales or a Tito Puente or just any artist out there? What, what message would that be? Well, you know, to be honest with you, uh, Mario, there will never be a, 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 a Tito Puente. There will never be, a, ever be a Tito Puente or ever be a Frankie Morales. The only thing I can tell them to be is be yourself. Be original. Don't copy nobody. Because if you copy somebody, you're not going to get nowhere because they can get it from the, the guy that originally started it, you know? Um, and always, always, always have an open mind, open heart, and always be sincere. Sincere and truthful to you and be truthful to the job that you always do and take it to heart. That's what you have to do. If you do all those things, no matter what anybody say, you can die in peace and you can walk down the street and you can say whatever they can say, what they can say about you or whatever. You already know the type of person you are and why, because nobody can say anything bad about you, nice. you know, and, 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 and that's just the way it is. And that's the way I've always been. I've always been to myself. I'm a straight shooter, and I'm honest. If anybody needs my help, I'm going to say I'm there, depending who that person is. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Depending who that person is. Of but course. I, I'm, I'm there for, you know, certain people like you. You know, there's certain people that I connect with. Um, you know, we do a lot of work. Uh, Ray, Ray Cologne, a DJ. You know, I help out a lot of guys, you know, and, and you and guy and, and, and anybody. But that's just the way it is, man. You know? Thank you, brother. Thank you. And listen, last and final, sometimes, you know, it's last but never least. How would Frankie Morales would want to be remembered? A sincere, know, a tough one. <laughs> a, a, a sincere honest singer that always loved doing what he does. And, and I can die tomorrow and say, I'll be happy. You know why? Because I travel all over the world. I've been to places that nobody has ever been to. I went to Beirut and played with Puente and Celia Cruz. You know, we went to India. Um, and... It's just, it's just, you know, I, I did a lot. You know, I, I let me tell you, Mario. There's been times before, before we we had this get off this. There's been times that I just wanted to give it up because of the, of the crap that goes on in the music and all that kind of stuff. But you know, just guys calling me up that I have called and confident, and they would say, "You can't do that." You know, guys like Jose Alberto, who calls me a lot. He's always in touch with me. Herman Oliveira, 
uh, Tony Vega, Tony Evers. These guys, you know, they always, they keep me like, and that's why I am the way I am. I don't change. You know, I'm honest with everybody. You know, I'm a straight shooter. And, you know, you want my hand, I'll give you two. That's how I am. Got it. Awesome, man. I almost started crying, bro. <laughs> I got emotional. <laughs> Listen, man, uh, I, I hope everybody that's listening and everybody's going to be watching, um, I hope they're inspired, they're motivated um, to, to do more and be more. Uh, and I hope anybody who's out there who's also inspiring to become an artist, uh, you know, singer, uh, uh, dancer, even a songwriter, a songwriter, composer, arranger, something hopefully they um you know they learn something from this and hopefully uh they can grow from this and hopefully be inspired to 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 be something uh, and also leave that footprint right um it's not about like you said it's not about being selfish it's about loving what you do uh and and letting it show through your craft and, and showing it through uh through your artwork and uh, i i do the same thing for myself so thank you frankie uh i love you uh you know, you're, you're part of my family and, and you're part of the dancing family. You're part of the musician's family. Um, you have a lot of fans. You have a lot of admirers. And, um, you know, keep keep doing what you're doing. Um, you know, keep inspiring the dancers. Keep inspiring other musicians. And um, keep producing great music, man, to keep us on that dance floor like Tito Buente said. <laughs> Thank you. You know, and before we, we – I, I, I just remember something. For all you dancers that are out there and you're playing songs – of artists, listen to them. Find out who's a singer and find out who is actually playing that music so that you can get a little bit more education, not only because you're dancing to it, is that who you're dancing to, who's a singer, awesome. who are the musicians, and who are the singers. And for all those people that are out there and, and dancing, you know, support all these dance schools because they are the ones, the dance schools are the ones that are keeping salsa alive. Without these guys, giving, uh, these dance studios and, and teaching all these people how to dance, the music will be dead. So thank you guys, Mario and all these salsa, uh, salsa social clubs that are out there dancing classes. Thank you. On the bottom of my heart, Frankie Barada says, thank you for giving these people the music that we do. Thank you, my brother. But you know, we wouldn't be there without the music. So hey. we compliment each other. You know what I'm saying? That's it. Thank you very oh, much. Yeah. You Appreciate have any shout-outs? You want to shout out anybody? How can people find your music? How can people find more about Frankie Morales? Well, they can go, you know, they can go to my page, Frankie Morales, and just Google me, Frankie Morales. Just Google Frankie Morales, and you're going to see a whole bunch of stuff of me coming out, you know, Europe events, Stuff that I've done in La Nueva La Gancia, stuff of recordings that I've done with everybody. You're going to see a lot of pictures of me with Hector Lavo, with Maez Rivera, and, and all that kind of stuff, man. You know, um, <clears throat> but just Google my name, Frankie Morales. You have your own uh, Facebook page? You, you got my page, Frankie Morales. They can go to my page, Frankie Morales. I also have a fan page, Frankie Morales. Uh, they can just Google it, and they'll find everything of Frankie Morales. All my events, you know, after all this is happening... And all this is over with this coronavirus. You know, I am going to do an event over here, hopefully in La Nueva Elegancia. You know, um, the guy wants me to do something there, but this is not the time. Um, but let's see what happens. And, and, and other things are coming up. I'm hoping that we go, we get past through this.
so everybody can get back to normal. You understand? <laughs> everybody can get back to normal. Everybody needs to get to back back to their normal life, man. And if people want to hire you, they could just, again, Google your information and they can just uh, contact you, right? They can contact me or if they have your your information, they can get in contact with you and, you know, vice versa. You know, that's that's, that's what it is, you know? We'll make it happen. We'll put your right. uh, we'll put your information on our Roots, Rhythm, and uh, Soul website. No problem. Just put it there and, you know, I'll give you my business number um, so you can put it down. I don't like to give people my personal number because, you know, that's not good. I also have a business yes. number uh, where the people can get in contact with me, 201-430-5496, 201-430-5496. And that's Frankie Morales' business number. Not personal number, business number. <laughs> Got it. Once again, my brother, ladies and gentlemen, this is Mario B., your host to Roots, Rhythm, and Soul Thank you so much for tuning in with the legendary vocalist, Mr. Frankie Morales. Thank you, my brother. I love you. And Thank you. Uh, stay healthy and safe, all right? Likewise, man. Thank you much. Love you too, bro. Take care. Thank you. Thank you, brother. Oye, Nando, dime, ¿qué ha pasado? Oye, que criminal se ha fugado. Ay, Dios mío. All right, my beautiful people. That was today's episode of Roots, Rhythm, and Soul with our special musical guest, Mr. Frankie Morales. And thank you and shout outs go to Hunter from Denver. Te diré 